The Adam Crowley Show. Are you putting me in a position to pull a Phil Kessel or something like that right now? Is that what you're saying? I think you did pull a Phil Kessel, and now we're calling you on it like we're calling Dunlap, baby. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Am I on the air right now? Yeah, you're on the air. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Tonight, I am seeing Flogging Molly and the Dropkick Murphys at Stage AE, which means I don't want to be here right now. I'm also off starting Friday for a week and a half long vacation, which means I don't want to be here right now. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. So much to get to today on the show. Barry Trotz has resigned as Capitals coach. I think it'll likely be Todd Reardon. He was coaching the defenseman this year. We all know Todd. He was affiliated with the Pittsburgh Penguins for a little while here. But apparently Barry Trotz's contract, a two-year extension, kicked in after they won the Stanley Cup. Although he supposedly was going to be making peanuts on the dollar compared to what he would get in free agency as a coach. So he said, F it, I'm out. And some reports are already indicating that the Islanders could be a landing spot for the chunky Capitals former head coach. Here's the deal. If you're a Penguins fan, you shouldn't be happy about this. I think Barry Trotz is a heck of a head coach. I haven't always felt that way. He got a lot out of a little in Nashville, but he seemed to get a little out of a lot in Washington up until this year. If it is Todd Reed, if there is a different coaching spin, that might help the Capitals repeat. I realize that Mike Sullivan was able to get the Penguins to repeat in two of the last three years they were champions. But sometimes when you have a lot of success with a coach, it's easy to then turn the coach off. It's easy then to tune that coach out. Maybe if it's Todd Reardon, maybe if it's somebody else, it actually keeps things fresh enough for the Washington Capitals that they can be as good again as they were this year. Time will tell. Phil Mickelson double-putted on one shot. Cost him two strokes, and apparently it cost him all the dignity in the world. Phil Mickelson is the number one most wanted person today in America. He's a terrible guy. Screw Phil. How dare he ruin the sanctity of the game of golf? Yeah, I didn't really have a problem with what he did. I understand that it isn't the spirit of the rule. I understand that. If you are a golf purist, it's the kind of thing that would drive you absolutely crazy, kind of like if somebody laid down a bunt in the ninth inning with two outs in a no-hitter. All that being said, man, I'm never going to get mad at somebody for being human. I was the only person in this town to stick up for Martavis Bryant. When everything went down with Martavis the middle portion of the year, I got where he was coming from in terms of frustration. I understood why he felt hurt that Ben Roethlisberger wasn't reaching out to him as much as he thought Ben Roethlisberger would reach out to him. I understood that he was wasting a bunch of talent, and I felt bad for the guy because I think human beings are all fairly similar. We've all made mistakes. We've all done things that we wish we could take back, and Phil Kessel 
Pardon me. There's a mistake by me right there. Phil Mickelson made a mistake this weekend. But the thing is, how big of a mistake was it really? He putted a golf ball in extra time. That'd make him a bad guy. Greg Hardy threw a woman on a bed of guns and was given a second opportunity in the National Football League. Phil Mickelson puts a ball for a second time. And I heard him called disgraceful by multiple outlets this weekend. He should have been disqualified. I don't know enough about the inner workings of golf to say whether or not he should have been disqualified or not. But I will say the outrage for a guy who has been a very good pro and a nice man as he's been a good pro is just staggering to me. I know some players on tour don't love Phil because he's fig jam. Bleep, I'm good, just ask me. But fans love the guy. He's always been classy. We all know what went on with his wife. We all know what's gone on with him and the sickness that he has with the arthritis. He's a fan favorite. And all of a sudden, all the fans are turning on him because he did one thing wrong for the first time in his damn career. It makes me wonder just what can and cannot be tolerated, not just in sports, but in society. Like I thought we were a country that allowed second chances, and I suppose that Phil Mickelson will continue on with this season and everything will go back to normal, but, man, I always hate it whenever I get in a fight with my wife and things get overgeneralized, kind of like I'm doing right now. I hate whenever she says, oh, you always do this, you always blah, 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 blah. Well, no, I don't. I'm just doing it now, and you're irritated because we're fighting. Phil Mickelson's always been the consummate professional, and now all of a sudden he makes a mistake, and we got to make him out to be Satan? He's the devil? He's the worst guy on tour? Come on, F all that. That's ridiculous. And I realize it's different for a scratch golfer. I realize it's different for a professional golfer, but I've done that a thousand times. You put one past the hole, it's going to keep rolling. I don't really feel like running down there. I'll take the penalty. What this really signified to me was the frustration boiling over for how fast the greens were moving on day three. Zach Johnson bitched. A couple of other players bitched. Phil Mickelson runs to the other side of the hole to stop his ball from going down the hill. I don't like that look for the golfers. Again, I will absolve Phil Mickelson because I don't think it's that huge of a deal. But the collective moaning and griping coming from everyone at the U.S. Open this weekend was nauseating. I love the U.S. Open. I love when par is a challenge. I love when getting a par is a good score. Hell, the winner, Kepka, was one over. I like that. I like to watch pro golfers struggle because we've seen all of them go so far below par that we know that that's a difficult course to play. We know how hard that was playing for them on Saturday. It was a bitch. It sucked. But I thought it was a joy to watch. I like seeing them look like I look when I go out there. I like them three-putting. I like to know that they're tested. And you know why it makes them look so small? You know why it makes them look like such babies? Because it's the one time a year where they're legitimately all challenged. Not one player finished under par. It was a challenge. I like that they had to deal with some adversity. 
It's what the U.S. Open's all about. Now, Saturday was obnoxious, but they did some things, tried to mitigate that on Sunday, and it worked out all right. I like the U.S. Open. And if you don't, I get it, but the players need to calm the bleep down. It's four days out of the year. Take a deep breath. Relax. Everyone has to play the same course for the most part. Now, it changes throughout the day, but that can be said about any course. Lance Lysowski is going to join us coming up in about 12 minutes here on the Crowley Show to talk about the Buckos. Woo! Because here's what Neil Huntington had to say this weekend. Quote, we've had more conversations about adding players at this point in time than subtracting players. This is coming after a John Morosi report indicated the Pirates could trade veteran players at the trade deadline. He then went on to say, quote, our intent is to continue to give this club every chance in the world. That we can continue to do the things we did in the first six, seven, eight weeks and put us nine games over and dig ourselves out of this tough stretch of 30 days and be in a position to close this wild card gap and close this division gap and get ourselves back in October. End quote. I think the Pirates need to make a determination and go with it. They're a mediocre baseball team. That is the worst place you want to be. I think you either want to be the Baltimore Orioles or you want to be the New York Yankees. You want to suck out loud or you want to be terrific in a surefire World Series contender. This being in the middle nonsense, it doesn't do anything for your ball club. How far are the Pirates away from contending? Well, if they had added some pieces this offseason and then added some pieces to the trade deadline, they might be right there in terms of competing for a wild card spot. But they didn't take care of business this offseason, and they're just sitting around hovering at 500. It's pointless to me, I think, to be buyers now. I think the Pirates need to blow it up. They needed to do it this offseason, or they needed to add. They didn't add. They should have blown it up. Bringing in Corey Dickerson was a smart move if you think the team's a contender. It was also a smart move if you think the team is not. Well, I think that they're not, so at this point, get rid of him. At this point, get rid of Josh Harrison. And in fact, it actually might work out better at the deadline than it would have this offseason. But they do need to make a determination one way or another. Here's why it would work out better now. Think of all the good players that were available on the market that didn't get signed until late. Think about how that free agent market went this offseason. What do you think Josh Harrison's going to get via trade? Uh, what do you think the Pirates are going to get if they get rid of a Felipe Vasquez via trade this offseason? But now at the deadline, well, who knows what they're going to get for Vasquez if they were to move him, Rivera, whatever the hell you want to call him. Given that he stunk out loud at times. But I think the market will help the Pirates out if they do, in fact, want to blow this thing up. Josh Harrison, Jordy Mercer, maybe even David Freeze is a bench bat. Certainly Cervelli. Certainly Dickerson. All those players I would make available because the Pirates minor league system, they've got three of the top 100 prospects in Major League Baseball. That is good for 15th. That's right in the middle. But whenever you look at the sheer number of quality prospects and the depth of the system, it's not really there either. It's time to go out and reload. It's time to go out and blow it up. At 440, we'll get into this a little bit more. and Maybe we'll get into it a little bit with Lance, but... Neil Huntington also talked about the attendance and how that affects things here. It's something he absolutely shouldn't have said, even if it were true. 
He shouldn't have said it because he knows that the PR battle is one that's difficult to win here in Pittsburgh, and certainly it's more difficult to win here in Pittsburgh if you're going to say things that make it seem like your foot is in your mouth. But as far as the attendance goes, just shut up about it. Shut up about that. Say you're going to rebuild. Stop being so damn afraid of the public relations around here. And actually do right by the baseball fans. Do right by your baseball team. Blow it up. Say you're going to rebuild. Make people realize they're going to have to be patient. And they're actually going to respect you as opposed to just treading water here. Which is all they've been doing. From the offseason on. As I mentioned, Lance going to be joining us in seven minutes here on the Crowley Show. Do you hear what Todd Haley had to say about the quarterback room? No. Didn't hear it. He's now the offensive coordinator, as you all know, in Cleveland. And he said, quote, this is probably one of the best, if not the best, quarterback rooms in general that I've had. The group in general is what I'm excited about. I think that it's an intelligent, intelligent group with the ability to throw the football and make plays with their legs, some of them. When you have that, I think that good things happen. Competition is created in the room, even though they're working hard together to help each other and get better as a group. When I talk about the room, I talk about the makeup of the group. There are so many variables and things where you're together every single day for months in a row that the makeup of each room is very different. There's a balance in most rooms of veterans and young guys, and when you have strong leadership in a group, uh uh-oh, it's usually a good sign for everybody involved. Bam, Ben Roethlisberger, suck on that! I mean, that's exactly what this is, right? Think about the quarterback room he's got now. It's Drew Stanton, ooh. It's Tyrod Taylor, eh. And it's Baker Mayfield, a rookie. And that's the best quarterback room he ever had? How about with Batch, Leftwich, and Roethlisberger going back a couple of years? There have been rumors for a long time that Ben and Todd Haley did not agree on a lot of things and that the two of them didn't get along. And I used to say back in the day that that all got blown up. Well, when Todd did not have his contract renewed, that kind of screwed that theory for me. And things like this just make you realize how toxic the relationship between those two was. So while the Steelers' defense, I think, was a bigger problem in their failures last year, a bigger component of the failures last year than the offense, I do think they did the right thing by letting Todd Haley get the bleep out of here. By the way, our World Cup pick, Belgium, they won today. Now Mertens the ball. Oh, strike! Trees Mertens! Belgium finally find it. They don't have to wait till the 70th minute. Mertens gives Belgium the one now lead over Panama. It was the goal of the tournament. It was sick. 3-0 win over Panama. Or Costa Rica. Yeah, I don't really know what country it was. Doesn't matter. 3-0. They're 1-0. They'll be moving on. I predict it right now. Coming up next, Lance Lysowski of DKPittsburghSports.com breaks down what Neil Huntington had to say. Who are some pirates that could be moved at the deadline? Who should be moved at the deadline? It's ESPN Pittsburgh. There's nothing like making a meal with every pot and pan you own. Savor every bite of this meal, chef, because for dessert, you'll be having so many dishes.
is. That meal will always be there. But Taco Bell's new $5 steak nachos box is only here for a limited time. Double the marinated steak, nacho cheese sauce, a three cheese blend, pico de gallo, and a medium drink. All for $5. At participating locations, spices may vary. Tax extra. Twice the amount of steak is compared to the steak nacho supreme. England almost choked their game away. Bloody right they did. Who are they playing? Tunisia. 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 Did you see that Kane scored a couple? Oh, Harry Kane, he was marvellous today on the pitch. Are you saying that Kane was able? Ah, well done. Good show, good show. Cheerio. Ah. The Buckos are one game under five hundred, which before the season, I think a lot of fans would say, okay, fine. We'll take it. We'll take it. 71 games in. We're right there. Probably in the thick of the second wild card race. It's better than I think a lot of people thought the Pirates were going to be. However, I looked at as mediocrity. I think mediocrity is the worst place you can be. I think you either want to be good or bad. I don't think you want to be mediocre. I don't think you want to be floundering. We bring in Lance Lizowski, DK, PittsburghSports.com now to discuss. Lance, your thoughts on that? How are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Adam. No, I I, I I understand the perspective. Either you, especially with Major League Baseball today, either you want a team to be tanking or trying to win. Now, the Pirates have been playing this middle ground for the last couple of years and pretty much refusing to go out and spend additional money or trade assets in the minor leagues to try to get proven commodities, You know, especially to help areas of need. And that's the point that they're at. They need to add to the bullpen they could probably use a backup middle infielder since John Rodriguez struggled and Jung Ho Gung and Adam Frazier don't seem to be the answer right there at the moment. So, I mean, Neil Huntington says he's going to try to add. I guess we'll see if he, uh, that's going to be the case. Do you think that they're close enough where they should be adding? Well, I think that the, if they needed to go out and get a top-of-the-rotation starter or they needed to get maybe even a starting position player, then I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't add at this point. But you need a couple of relievers, and relievers can be had for the right price. And the Pirates are at this point where they have all these guys in AAA, all these Max Moroffs, Jordan Luplos. I would try to trade some of those assets for, even if it's a reliever that you need to work with, who uh, might be broken at the moment, who had past success. They need to do something because this bullpen taking on water, and you know they they reinstated Richard Rodriguez from the disabled today, which okay, that might be a you know an additional arm, but you shouldn't be relying on a Richard Rodriguez who's a minor league free agent to come in and save your bullpen. This is a really bad situation, and even their closer, you know, the one they gave twenty two million dollars guaranteed to in January, has been a complete disaster the past month. Let's read the Neil Huntington quote here. Uh, Lance Lysowski joining us here on the Crowley Show. He said, quote, if I were able, pardon me, if we were able to turn a corner and draw more people out, then we'll be, I'm going to restart this, Lance. I'm going I'm, I'm to restart the reading here. Uh, quote, if we are able to turn a corner and draw more people out, then we'll be able to put more into the club, and they don't necessarily go hand in hand. As we've shown in the past, when the resources are there, we'll apply them, end quote. What do you make of that quote, and have they applied the resources appropriately when the resources have been there? They haven't. I mean, you can go back and look at, you know, adding Marlon Bird or Justin Morneau. There have been times where they went out and they were able to add those minor little pieces, but for the past three years, I mean, dating back to when Neil Walker was traded, when you could have added to that team and been pretty pretty good in 2016, 
no, I, I, I think it's just lip service, and there hasn't been action that's been taken. I don't think there's any arguing with that either. And I, putting it on the fans that, okay, well, if you come to games, then we'll go, you know, add to this club. I don't think you can really say that, Adam, because the fans came out in the past and you didn't add to the club when there was probably a lot more talent, especially in the bullpen, uh, to really support what you had here. I don't know. It's saying one thing and doing another. Uh, until they show the fans they actually care, I don't think people are going to want to show up because who wants to watch, you know, Edgar Santana got get teed off on in the eighth <laughs> inning or the bullpen blow another lead. It just it's the same old same old. I don't like the fact that it was said. If he wants to believe that, if he wants to think that kind of stuff, fine. But you have to understand how you're perceived in the market. You have to understand how your fan base thinks about everything that you say, and you have to realize that the fan base doesn't exactly have a lot of faith in the ownership or the front office. Like, I just wouldn't have said that if I were him. I would have found a way to sidestep that question. Yeah, and, and there's been a lot of that. I mean, for his, you know, Neil rarely declines comment, but instead things like that are said, and, and, and there's no way to dodge the mishaps that they had in the off season, he took some ownership of that yesterday. Just the fact that they came into the season without, you know, an eighth inning guy or somebody to man the seventh inning. They made in the Garrett Cole and Andrew McCutcheon trades, they wanted to grab two relievers to supplement their bullpen. Well, neither one's been all that great. No. Kyle Crick and Michael Feliz. And you're relying on trading your two superstars to get bullpen pieces. I mean, relievers are the most affordable asset in major league baseball. I mean, yeah, there are some guys that get huge contracts, but when you need a seventh or six or even sometimes an eighth inning guy it's not all that expensive and putting it on the fans i think this isn't a good look last thing on this topic what i think has to stink most for pirates fans and i don't have a specific name here for you but what stinks most for them has to be the free agent market that there was this year and how maybe you could have found a couple of players more attainable than we've seen them in the past and maybe we'll see them going forward point uh they, they were able to capitalize this on this a couple of years ago when they brought in david freeze freeze was kind of still out there i ended up getting a lot of value for the signing and there were a lot of relievers that weren't at the top of the market who were having really good seasons under affordable contracts the one i can mm. think of is jared hughes who the pirates let walk because of what, less than a million dollars when they cut him at the end of spring training last season uh, you, you needed to add to the bullpen they came in they again for another season they gambled on internal improvement. They, they gambled on Davidis Nevarowskis being a you know, competent major league reliever, and so much can go wrong. And when you're investing in a team and you, you, you acquire Corey Dickerson, it just I don't understand the fact you, you, you take that sort of gamble, especially when there's arms on the market that aren't even that pricey that you can take a you know, less gamble on, I guess I could say. We're going to see Williams start for the Buccos tonight. Uh, it's been his last four or five starts where he just hasn't looked the same as he did earlier in the season. And I think a lot of people predicted that he wouldn't be pitching as well as he did the first month, month and a half, but that he still would be a good player. I, I'm, I imagine still that that's going to be the case. But what's he need to get better on to get closer to being that guy? I mean, it's fastball, it's fastball command, Adam. I know that sounds simple. but It's not sexy, I'll tell you that, Lance. It's not, but they, they, nothing about his pitching style is. No. <laughs> one of those guys that was getting out, he's getting a lot of ground balls, but when you're not throwing your fastball and you're not getting late movement down the zone, you're not going to get those ground balls. He was getting a lot of fly balls, actually, which isn't good for a pitcher like Trevor Williams. The walks were really troubling, even when he was doing well in the first month of the season, so you were just wondering, 
how much longer can he sustain this? And, well, he wasn't able to sustain it. Now it doesn't really seem like anybody has any tangible answers as to what's gone wrong here. Mm. So it's something to watch. And when you have Nick Kingham in AAA, who International League Pitcher of the Week, again, for the second time this season, was perfect through six and a third innings against Toledo, which is a pretty good AAA team, on Thursday, it makes you wonder how much longer can they continue to – Use Trevor Williams as unfair as that might be from the outside because he was pretty darn good for a while there. So Williams would be the guy that you'd yank if you were going to bring Kingham in? Right now, I don't think you – there's yeah. really not an argument against it. Avon Nobles looks a lot better. Chad Cool's been, you could argue, their best starter over the last month. You'll get just the numbers themselves. And, yeah, if you want to put your best five together, Trevor Williams isn't that. ERA is almost nine in his last five starts. He's getting hit hard. And this is a team that I don't know if they can continue to afford just trotting guys out there and hoping for internal improvement for people who just figure it out. That time has passed. I mean, this, this division's really good, as they're going to find out the next couple of days of the Brewers in town who are in first place for a reason. And if you're going to want to compete for the playoffs, but you can't keep falling behind and just keep trotting out guys who are struggling. Lance Lysowski joining us here on DKPittsburghSports.com. It's nice to see cool pitch the way that he's pitched of late. Uh, he's a guy who has the stuff, uh, but it looks like he's finally putting it all together. I hope it's not just a blip. I hope he can continue this. And huh, obviously it would be huge for the puck, the Bucks, if uh, he could. The upside there, his breaking yes. stuff is, it might be the best on the staff. Just, you know, if you look at all of his pitches together you know, with the velocity, I think him and Jamison Tyler are just kind of figuring out what they are as pitchers. Both of them are throwing fewer two-seam fastballs. They're, throwing more four-seamers up in the zone, more breaking balls. You know, the slider has been really key for both of them, and that recipe is being used across Major League Baseball, including by Garrett Cole with the Astros, really produced success, and those guys have the weapons to be really good starting pitchers. And I think Chad Cool slowly figuring it out. But, of course, you're going to get that time where Major League Baseball scouting reports get around. There's going to be some punch, you know, some counterpunch from other teams with how he's starting to pitch to them. And we'll see how he responds. If he hasn't responded well in the past when he's had this nice little string of starts, it's often followed by a couple of disasters. How do you grade Clint Hurdle on his performance this year? It's a good question. Uh, I, I'm not going to put this all on him. I know there's a lot of criticism to, to be dished out. He was given a full-on roster again. When you look at the bullpen, you look at Sean Rodriguez hasn't been the type of player. I think that... Um, He's been okay managing his starting pitchers. Hasn't really been keeping him out there for too long. Really no egregious errors. You know, you look across Major League Baseball, Adam, I think a lot of people in Pittsburgh or in any city, when you only focus on your team or what your team is doing, what they're struggling at, it can be easy to lose sight of what other teams are struggling at. I mean, across Major League Baseball, yeah. there's been managers who, you know, have their, their team bat out of order or they don't know, they didn't have a reliever warming up when they make a pitching change. There's been some really really serious blunders, and the Pirates haven't had any of those, and what they have struggled with, and I'm thinking about just the bullpen, that wouldn't be Clint Hurdle's fault. If anything, some of the onus needs to be placed on their hitting coach, Jeff Branson, because yeah. um, they do have guys who get in these slumps. This has been a problem for the last couple of years, but the Pirates really struggle, or it takes them really long to get these guys out of these slumps. Josh Bell, one of them, uh, the one that really stands out. And Gregory Polanco is just a never-ending slump, it seems like. We'll figure it out for a couple of games and fall back into bad habits. That's the only person on the staff that I think that really you got to take a look back, okay, who gets maybe a negative grade for these first 70 or so games? It would probably be Jeff Franklin. 
Musgrove Moran have both played pretty well. Looking a little bit better for the Garrett Cole trade? I mean, I know how Cole's played, but I think it's looking well, all right. To be devil's advocate, I don't know where Colin Moran fits in long term. He's not going to be a third baseman. His defense has been a liability. That's um, true. His That's reaction point. time is slow. The arm is, is above average. He has the arm to play third base, but the athleticism is lacking, and you don't notice it until David Freeze takes over over there, and, and David Freeze is making all these athletic plays. You got Josh Bell at first base. You got Will Craig at double A, who's doing really well down there. So I don't know. Long term, right now, those two look good. You got Jason Martin in double A, who's having a heck of a yeah. season. Yeah, the minor league outfielder they got. Michael Fleas has been a complete disaster the past month. But yeah, I think if we look back on it, you know, compare our thoughts now than what they were before the season, of course it looks better. But you look at what Garrett Cole's doing in Houston, it's hard to really. It, it might be unfair, okay, to, to gauge, you know, do they get, did they get equal value for this? At least in the interim. It, it will take a, a couple of years to determine that. Last couple of things for Lance Lysowski, DK, PittsburghSports.com. Uh, which pirate would you make the all-star? If there was one guy, which guy on this roster are you putting in? Victor Valley. I don't think there's any questioning that. Um, you, know, you look at the offensive numbers, he's one of the best hitting, you know, offensive catchers in the league, even though he struggled the last month or so. Defensively, he's been incredible. Just what he's been able to do growing out runners. The pitch framing's gotten better. I think his overall game, what he's been able to do to kind of reinvent himself at this stage in his career is really one of the, it's probably the best story about this team, you know, so far this season. But realistically, you look at the catching, the voting. I don't know if he'll end up getting in. I think Corey Dickerson just isn't hitting for a power at him. No. The average is there. And defensively, he's been, you know, much better than expected. By process elimination, I just can't imagine it not being Cervelli, even though there are some really talented catchers in the National League. Trade him. <laughs> the conversation is going to have to be had, I would think. If, there, if, if they have a losing record on the deadline, I can't imagine what kind of trade value he's going to have. If you look at a team like the Nationals, they're going to need a catcher. The team's in town the next couple of days. The Brewers are desperate need of a catcher. It's tough going, though. I mean, Elias Diaz might be ready, but I don't think Jacob Stallings is a backup catcher in the Major League. Yeah, and that's the problem there. Uh, Really appreciate the time, as always, Lance. You you do kick ass. I mean, you do a really good job. Uh, I feel like I'm always learning stuff when we talk to you. So appreciate it, as always, and hopefully we talk soon. Thanks, Adam. I always appreciate it. Take it easy. Be good. Lance Lazowski, DK, PittsburghSports.com. That's the guy right there, Cervelli. It might kill my grandma. But that's the guy right there. You got, you got to trade him. If he if they are not in it at the deadline, you got to move him. And you're at the they're they're at such a crossroads right now where if you add and you're they're three and a half games back back in the second wild card right now, so they're absolutely not out of it by any stretch. And if they get hot like they did early on, okay, we'll see what happens. But they're in this spot right now where you've got a guy like Cervelli, you've got a guy like Dickerson who are both having maybe not career year for Dickerson last year. He had, what, 26 home runs, 24 home runs. But he's having a really good year. You've got Cervelli, who whenever he's healthy, he's always been good. But now he's staying healthy, and he's really good. Do you go in with these guys, and you say, okay, let's try to get a wild card spot and see what happens? Or do you sell high and try to do the rebuild right by your fans? But if you go all in and you try to get a wild card spot, you're also doing right for your fans. But it might cost you dearly in the long term. I don't envy Pirates management right now, but it's also Pirate management's fault. Coming up next, we're going to talk about Landon Donovan rooting for Mexico. You piece of crap. And Neil Huntington. Just shut up. 
It's the Crowley Show. According to some, the question isn't whether Phil Mickelson or not is going to hell. It's when's he going to go there? I think that that's a little much. We'll talk to Jerry Dulac about that coming up in about 15 minutes here on the Crowley Show. We got Mark Caboli at 540. Talk a little bit about Steelers mini camp and look ahead to training camp just a tad. Jinsey Landon Donovan's rooting for Mexico. Nobody cares about Landon Donovan in this country until something like this goes down. He's the only United States soccer player I've ever freaking heard of, and he's rooting for Mexico. If he had come out and said, well, yeah, Wells Fargo paid me a million dollars to hold up that stupid scarf, I think most people would say, okay, cool. But what he did instead was he, an Anglo-Saxon white guy from California, called out Carlos Bocanegra, who's a Spanish-American, a Mexican-American, for not being a good enough Mexican-American. That ain't right. I also think it's dumb to root for your rival in any circumstance. If your rival is in a tournament and you are not in a tournament, you're not just going to root for the rival. At least you shouldn't. I suppose he can do whatever he likes, but it is a bad look. It makes United States soccer look flimsy. I'm usually all about choice. I'm usually all about doing whatever you want to do. But I think the rest of the world already thumbs their noses at American soccer. I think the rest of the world already looks at us and thinks, oh, how cute. Well, now you see what Mexico's doing. They're beating the defending champions, Germany. The United States is sitting at home, and Landon Donovan's like, oh, go Mexico, woo! It makes us look even worse. You think France and England root for each other? No. You think the French and the Germans root for each other? No. Do you think the Germans and Japanese team up and try to take over the world? Yes. Yes. That happened. That yeah. did happen. Yes. I think that happened that one time, yeah. Huh, weird. I just think it looks really weak. It makes United States soccer look bad. It ain't right. And then the whole Uncle Tomism going after Carlos Bocanegra that way. I mean, that's pretty garbage. That's pretty garbage. And in fact, Landon Donovan came out not all that long ago, just a couple of hours ago, in fact, and said, I regret my tweet from earlier on. I was impulsive. My bad. Because what Landon Donovan went on to do was make it seem as though he was more woke than everyone else. Oh, I'm rooting for Mexico because we currently don't have great relations with Mexico at this time in this country. So I'm going to root for I'm going to try to bring everyone together with soccer. Shut the hell up, Donovan. You wanted the Wells Fargo paycheck. Just say you wanted the Wells Fargo paycheck. Coming up before we get to Jerry Dulac, at the end of the segment, we got things that piss us off. We're going to do that every Monday. On Fridays, I think going forward, it's things that make us happy. We didn't do it last Friday. It's a good idea, Adam. Yeah. Kind of bring balance to the force so we're just not bitching and whining all the time. No, too much of sports radio these days is just bitching. And a lot of that comes from me. 
And my 700% ratings increase is in large part because of the bitching. But we don't want to create negativity. We don't want the world to become a worse place because of our radio show. But I need to do this for my own catharsis. So coming up in about six minutes, I'll tell you what's pissing me off. And Tom will tell you what's pissing him off. And we'll go for 30 seconds. And then the music will cut us off. Do you hear what Neil Huntington said? He said, quote, if we're able to turn a corner and draw more people out, then we'll be able to put more into the club, and they don't necessarily go hand in hand. As we've shown in the past, when the resources are there, we'll apply them, end quote. Come on, Neil! Here's the deal. When more people come to the ballpark, when there is more money to spend, that does allow a Major League Baseball team to spend more money. Absolutely, without a doubt, no question. But when the Pirates had their best years in their history, at least in their modern history of attendance, the Pirates did not shoot the payroll up enough for the gain in attendance. Think about this. Marlon Byrd, Justin Morneau, they were brought in. Derek Lee, he was brought in. These guys are all waiver wire type pickups. These guys are all... Not the big bucks players, the huge difference makers that you want them to bring in. Neil Walker was traded after the Pirates won 98 games instead of adding to the team when they had tremendous attendance, the highest attendance that they've had in a very long time. We did not see them add to the team. Instead, we saw Neil Walker get subtracted. We saw Pedro Alvarez go, and this is coming after Pedro Alvarez hit the most home runs in the National League. Albeit a down year for home runs, but he still did that. That still means something. He was still productive, as was Neil Walker, and yet, what happened? Forget about whether or not it could be the case. Forget whether or not Neil Huntington's not speaking at a turn here in terms of the content of the message. Pretend for a second that, yes, the Pirates would spend more money if more people showed up to the ballpark. He still shouldn't have said it. That's what bothers me maybe more than anything else, is that Neil Huntington knows this fan base, knows the fan base, knows how they think about the team, knows what they believe Neil Huntington to be, knows what they believe Frank Coonley and Bob Nutting to be, and still yet said that anyhow. If we're able to turn a corner and draw more people out, then we'll be able to put more into the club. You can't say it, Neil. You know how they do that approval rating for the President of the United States of America? Well, the approval rating for Pirates baseball and Pirates ownership and Pirates leadership is pretty damn low. He should be doing whatever he can to create fan interest, to get people to come to the ballpark, to believe in this football team, and instead, it's a baseball team, and instead, it sounds like he's complaining that not enough people are showing up. It's just going to make people mad. It's not going to end the way he wants it to. He should just never have said it. He's a smart guy. I've heard Neil Huntington spin a thousand different things. This is something he didn't need to put out there. And I realized that Will Graves asked the question. I realized it was a pointed question. He did not have to answer the question that way. He did not have to put a further or further the gulf between the fans 
and the ownership here in Pittsburgh. Didn't have to do it, but he did. Man, I love baseball. I really want to root for the Pirates. They make it so hard. Because you want to root for the players. Like You want to root for Colin Moran. He gets brought in from Houston. They win a World Series. They has to come here. He's seeing, what, 12,000 people in the ballpark. His team's collapsing. This is what he comes into. You, you want him to win. You want that guy to succeed. You want to see Austin Meadows win at the big league level whenever he comes up for the first time. You want to see Corey Dickerson come from Tampa and win baseball games. But... It's so hard to root for all of them, at least in my opinion, and separate it from rooting for Neil Huntington and Frank Coonley and Bob Nutting. And I don't think that Neil Huntington has done all that great of a job as general manager. His draft history is suspect to say the least. Man, he comes off so condescending, as do the rest of them. And they're always trying to spin. They're always trying to pull the wool over your eyes. And then in this circumstance, he just says the wrong thing. I want Dickerson to succeed. I want Bell to succeed. I want to see Marte get a chance to play for a championship. But that front office makes me think twice about it. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. If we have time, we'll fix baseball later in the show. I'll just pencil that in for every show, every show sheet for the rest of time. Now we're gonna fix baseball. But now it's things that piss us off. People look down on day drinking. No, Adam, you've had seven beers at this Father's Day get-together. Don't have another one. Well, you know what? I think I just might. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying at home. And guess what I'm not going to wake up with tomorrow morning? A hangover. I'm going to drink eight beers. I'm going to drink five hot dogs. What happened? I'm going to drink four more beers, eat three hamburgers. I'm going to sober up. And then I'm going to go to bed and wake up and it'll be like it never happened. Day drinking, much better than night drinking every single time. You know what's really pissing me off lately is Elon Musk. All right, you know, I get it. Oh, he's so smart. He invented the Tesla. He may or may not have invented PayPal. We still don't know if that's a fact or not. But, but it's a lot of talk lately with him and not a lot of execution. Oh, we're going to go to Mars. Oh, we're going to travel around the world in two seconds. Oh, we're going to be able to grow gills and live underwater in the future. You know what, Elon? Why don't you actually execute some of this stuff instead of just making these empty promises, all right? I mean, every single new idea that you come up with is just coming up stale. Are you Elon Musk or Elon Musk? Speaking of stale, I put up a Twitter poll. Kind of goes along with what pisses me off. At 10 a.m., I ate a leftover cheeseburger. Is that okay? 21% say gross. 79% of the people say good move. You guys are woke AF. Let's see if Jerry Dulac's woke. We got him coming up next. Talk about Phil Mickelson and is it Bruce Kupka? Is it Brooks? Is it Kepka? The back-to-back U.S. Open champion. We'll talk to him about him, too. It's the Crowley Show.